One of the questions that I get really frequently is, hey, there's this new rollout for sponsored display. Why would I need DSP now? And it's because of the vast array of features that DSP offers, potentially. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm Joe, and I'm here with Matt from Ad Advance. And today, what we're going to dig into is some of the new features that have been rolled out for sponsored display. And then we can also take a look at how these features compare to the DSP ad platform and how we can utilize each. So overall, Matt, you know, we can just jump into it today, I guess. Do you want to just walk through some of the new features that have been released by the sponsored display team? Just kind of give us an overview quickly on, on what's available. Yeah, so the most recent sponsored display rollout are in-market and lifestyle audiences. Uh, so Amazon has a whole host of first-party data about how shoppers behave on their platform, what categories they're interested, what products they've looked at. With sponsored display, we can now target some of those behavioral and category interests of shoppers on their platform. Starting with in-market, it's a large number of categories, some very broad to very refined that shoppers are in the market for. That's why it's called in-market. So they haven't made a purchase yet. They've been shopping in the category recently, looking at products within it. You can create a campaign, an ad group that hosts your products and then target categories related to them. So it's a great way to reach shoppers that haven't yet been exposed to your brand. They don't know they're interested in your category or a category related to your products, but they haven't purchased one yet. And they potentially don't even know that your product exists. So it's a higher funnel approach where you can reach a broad audience that could be interested in your products. Then lifestyle are audiences that are primarily interest-based. So they've shopped in this category before. They have an interest in, say, camping. Joe's on a, on a camping trip right now, actually. And so that'd be a good way to reach, reach Joe with, with lifestyle interests. Yep. Yep. I would definitely be interested. <laughs> and so overall, if we look at, you know, the, the different targeting types for these audiences and just kind of taking a step back too. So like Matt mentioned, this is more of an upper funnel strategy. And so with these ads, really what you're trying to hit is people who wouldn't be aware of your products before, just like Matt said. And so, you know, the key thing when looking at Amazon advertising as a whole is that First, we want to have a really solid base built out at the bottom of the funnel. And we've done that through the different steps we've taken. So sponsored products is a great bottom of funnel strategy where people know what they're looking for. And now they're just comparing products to figure out what they want to purchase. We have sponsored brands built in, which is kind of this middle funnel strategy. And so this is where they're searching around. They may be finding brands and not quite sure of exactly what product they want to buy yet but they're getting to know your brand. And then from there may lead to different purchases. And then we've also covered sponsored display views retargeting, which is a bottom of the funnel strategy, along with sponsored display product targeting, which is also a bottom of funnel strategy. And so what's cool when you stack all of these together is now with sponsored display audience targeting, we're hitting even a little bit further up the funnel. And so with these different stages of the funnel, there's different key metrics that we want to focus on. So, you know, we're not going to be focused on the same metrics for the bottom of the funnel strategy versus the upper funnel. So Matt, in terms of like implementing sponsored display audiences, trying to get these people who would never know of your product otherwise, other than seeing these ads, 
Like what's key metrics that you feel like we should be focusing on for those? Yeah. So it's more of a, a brand awareness approach. And so we're tracking more brand awareness oriented metrics like traffic. How many people are exposed to your products? What sort of lift in sessions or page views do you have in your overall account from targeting these categories? SD is a little bit limited in the metrics that they provide directly from advertising as compared to ad types like DSP, but it's not as ROAS or ACOS oriented as those bottom of funnel strategies where you're directly comparing it, your ACOS to your gross margin, for example. You're more focused on how can I expose as many people that would be interested in my products if they found them on Amazon? So you're looking at detail page views, sessions, click-throughs, more traffic-oriented metrics, including click-through rate than, say, the sponsored ad, uh, sponsored product side where you're looking at like how many sales am I generating, at what ACoS, how does that ACoS compare to my margin? They're not so much like bottom-line oriented, they're more focused on exposure. Some other things to keep in mind too, especially as we work our way up the advertising funnel as a whole, is that when we go for these upper funnel strategies, just like Matt said, it's not going to be as ACoS or ROAS focused. So we're trying to drive exposure. We're trying to drive traffic. And then what we can do is we can use some of the lower funnel strategies to help convert that traffic. So for instance, we could use audience targeting to get them on your detail page. Now they're familiar with your product or your brand. They may not convert. But then what we can do is we can use other lower funnel strategies, like for instance, sponsored display views remarketing. And now what we can do is we can show ads on and off of Amazon to those people who initially viewed your product detail page. So that can be a great way to utilize those bottom of funnel strategies to really take advantage and convert those new people that you sent to your product detail page. Probably one other piece to add too is that sponsored display now has new to brand metrics. And so this is a huge metric to track, especially for these upper funnel strategies, because for a lot of products, especially if you have a consumable product or if you have a really strong brand with a lot of offerings where if somebody purchases one product from your brand, they tend to purchase others. Advertising ACOS or ROAS only measures that initial sale that came from your ad. So it doesn't measure the overall lifetime value of your customer. And so with new to brand metrics, along with using brand analytics to track how many people who purchase your product actually drives a repeat purchase, or say if they go and buy another product from your brand, we can use that to help calculate the lifetime value of our customer and then get a better overall viewpoint on the total return that we're getting from our advertising for these upper funnel strategies. That was a really good overview. I guess one question I'd have for you would be uh, lifestyle and in-market audiences have always been a component of DSP. We covered DSP and overview in one of our recent episodes. Could you just talk through how these overlap and how SD and DSP differ? Sure, sure. Yeah, and so if we look at sponsored display and DSP as a whole, sponsored display is really designed for sellers to be able to go in and quickly implement some of these core strategies that we can set up with DSP. So DSP is definitely not a self-service platform. It is very complicated, whereas sponsored display has taken some of the core pieces from DSP 
that you can go in and quickly implement. Like they've done a great job for fuse remarketing. You can't specify many parameters that we can within DSP, but you can set it up really quickly. So I can just pick my ASINs and then I can put bids for people who have viewed my products or similar products. And it retargets them on and off of Amazon. I don't have much for control, but I have a really good ease of setup. And now it's the same thing for audience targeting, where you can set it up really quickly. You don't need an agency like us to set up DSP campaigns for you. And you can get that higher funnel strategy implemented really quickly. You know, the key drawback to sponsored display is kind of the key. It's, it's the corollary to the key benefit. It's simple to set up because there's not much customization that you can do. Whereas within DSP, we can get so much more in depth in terms yeah. of look back windows, in terms of what they've purchased, in terms of what we're targeting for ASINs. You know, Matt, you'd probably be better to speak to this too. Like, give me some of the key benefits that you can implement with DSP that you can't necessarily implement using sponsored display. Yeah, DSP is essentially infinitely customizable towards your objectives. We can target a whole host of different audiences with different look back windows, different frequencies. We can target different supply sources. There's just so many more features involved with DSP. One of the questions that I get really frequently is, hey, there's this new rollout for sponsored display. Why would I need DSP now? And it's because of the vast array of features that DSP offers, potentially. So like you said, the key, key benefit to sponsored display over DSP is instant accessibility. If you're a DIYer, you're self-managing your ads, then sponsored display is accessible to everybody, every brand registered seller. Uh, DSP, if you go through an agency like us, you know there aren't uh, budget minimums or anything of that nature. But if you're a DIYer, you know, you're not working with an agency like us. So sponsored display has benefits in that area. But now we have sponsored display offers same product views. So ASIN retargeting. It offers searches related to your product. It offers similar product targeting on and off Amazon, plus lifestyle and in-market features. So there's definitely some overlap in like audience capabilities. With DSP, it goes so much further. So one of the first benefits of, of DSP is just the ability to stack audiences with all sorts of clauses. So you can stack audience related to views and customize lookbacks. So like on the sponsored display side, you're limited to 30 day views. With DSP, you can set whatever lookback windows you like. So an audience that looked at your product in the last two days is a much warmer audience than somebody that looked at your product 29 days ago. So with DSP, we can segment audiences based on when they viewed products over a range up to 90 days right now. So we'll segment our line types for DSP by those that looked at it in the last two days, those that looked in the last 10, 30, 45, 60, all the way up to 90. And each of those accomplishes a different objective. The closer the look back, the better the returns, the longer the look back, the colder the audience, and you're generating sales that you unquestionably wouldn't have otherwise achieved. On the audience side with DSP, you can also choose much more refined ASINs, so the products that you target. With SD, I guess just starting with sponsored display, you are limited to the advertised products. So you set up a campaign, and if you're using like views retargeting, 
the products that the audience viewed need to exist within your ad group. They have to be advertised products. With DSP, you can do so much more. You can target people that looked at all of the children in ASIN under one of your parents and then have your creative ASIN be your hero product, the best converting of the bunch, the most enticing product. You can cross-target. So if they looked at, say, let's say they purchased like a pencil sharpener, we could target them with pencils or uh, a better comparison would be if they purchased pencils, we could target them with complimentary pencils, like a sharpener. Either way. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you can target competitors. So if somebody searched, looked at uh, a competitor product, but didn't purchase it, we can target those products and show them our substitutes that may have a higher likelihood of conversion, maybe a lower price, better reviews, whatever. We're able to leach traffic from competitors by targeting their ASINs. And the exclusions are a lot better too. With sponsored display, you can only exclude, again, the products that exist within the ad group. With DSP, we we can exclude a customizable list of ASINs. So if somebody looked at our product but didn't purchase, we could retarget them and we could eliminate an audience that looked at our product and bought a competitor's or pretty much any ASIN within your category. You can specify a customizable list. So the targeting just becomes so much more refined. Yeah. So overall, if you look at it, sponsor display is a great way to start. And gives you great ways to get into initial audience targeting. DSP just gives you so much more control. If we can compare like audience retargeting with sponsored display, it takes the last 30 days. Has somebody looked at your product? Or if you're also advertising for other similar products, you can have that as a clause too. You're limited to that 30 days and you don't have any control over frequencies, what the creative looks like. You do now have some brand safety control where you can exclude certain URLs that it's going to, but we don't really have any reporting for that on where your ads are being shown within sponsored display yet. So you just don't have as much control, but it's super easy to get set up. With the way that Matt describes how we do it, we look at it and say, all right, if somebody viewed your product yesterday, they're much more likely to convert than somebody who viewed your product 30 days ago. And so we want to increase the frequency that they're showing the ads upfront and then kind of taper it off over time. They may still be interested 60 days from now, but probably not as interested as somebody who viewed it yesterday. So this is kind of the corollary to like if you're just getting going on Amazon, so you can start with some basic strategies like auto campaigns and set up a couple sponsored product manual campaigns and you know go through the basic steps that we've outlined in how to set up the campaigns. When you come to somebody like us, we implement all these detailed strategies, which kind of takes you to the next level. Sponsored display, it's great to get going. I would definitely test it out and trial it out. And then as you're continuing to grow, if it makes sense, then you can start running DSP through an agency like us who doesn't have minimum spend figures, or you can also go through Amazon, but be ready to commit thirty dollars to $50,000 up front for DSP. So it's just the level of detail that you can put into it. And then there's a lot of other strategies that we're going to go through in upcoming podcasts too, just talking through other ways that we can utilize DSP. So, you know, we're talking about some of these corollary strategies that we can use between sponsor display and DSP. There's a lot of other unique ones that we can do with DSP just due to the amount of customization that's available. So Matt, for people who are looking at implementing audience targeting in for sponsored display, 
you know, some of the some of the hesitations that we've had is just how broad these categories tend to be. I mean, what's your thoughts on that if you're implementing it? Like, do you do you just go for these very broad categories and hope to convert them in the end? Or what, what's your thoughts if somebody is looking at implementing some of these like lifestyle or in-market type categories using sponsored display ads? Yeah, you touched on this in the beginning of this episode, but what I always recommend is starting at the bottom of the funnel and working your way up. That way you're maximizing your returns at each level and then each incremental level of spend is allocated to the, the ones with the greatest returns. So if you're really growth-oriented, lifestyle and in-market audiences could be a good fit for you. Following that kind of sequence of moving up the funnel, start with in-market and start with more narrow categories. So use the built-in interface in the sponsored ad console within sponsored display and pick those audience categories that are in market and very closely related to your products and then work your way up. In market typically produces more sales, better ROAS than lifestyle. And then as your budget dictates and as results dictate, you can expand into higher funnel, like broader in-market categories, and then move into lifestyle categories. And some people ask us like, well, why aren't you running as many sponsored display audience type, say like in-market category or in-market campaigns? And the key reason is that we typically do not just run for a straight up category using DSP. We typically filter this down using other audience filters that we can stack on top of these. So the these different broader categories are a great starting point. But in general, we like to use DSP to get more refined because they can be so big and broad that initially, especially initially, we just want to target a more targeted audience, more likely to convert, and then we can always expand it over time. So, you know, that, that's a key way that we use to like stack with these different broader categories within DSP. Yeah. I mean, with respect to DSP, we can target broader audiences and then we can stack them to make them substantially more refined. One cool thing about DSP2 is we can segment by supply source. And so we can target predominantly on Amazon placements versus off Amazon. So on Amazon shoppers are much higher intent. We can isolate impressions to on Amazon or really favor the split between on Amazon versus off Amazon while still uh, targeting those higher funnel categories and exposing people to your brand that haven't found your products yet. So just with all of the customization and segmentation that we're able to do, returns are just so controllable. So just, you know, favoring those lower funnel approaches, even with high funnel strategies, and then working your way up is a very controllable process with DSP. Sponsored display, it's quite a bit more difficult just because you can't control supply and you can't stack audiences. Essentially, we build the base for our marketing funnel and then continue to work our way up and broaden it out as we go while having that base core advertising strategy to make sure that we're converting those people who are entering the funnel at the top. Yeah. So just going back to summarize, overall, the sponsored display team has been doing an awesome job at giving sellers a very quick and easy way to set up some of these other advertising strategies that would not be available to them. So with views remarketing and now audience targeting along with product targeting, there's many different spots along the funnel that you can implement. 
So if you haven't started those, I would definitely trial them. If you do audience targeting, just keep in mind the key metrics that you should be looking at though. So it's not going to be as ACOS or ROAS focused. It's going to be a lot more focused on getting people exposed to your brand and then converting them further down the line. And then once you really get established for sponsored display or you're already to that point where you want to go to the next level, DSP then gives you that extra edge with all the control that we can implement to take even more advantage of these different aspects of the funnel and have a much more controllable approach. Again, just with that extra control that we have. So if you haven't tried out sponsored display, some of the new targeting types, definitely give them a shot. And if you're ever looking for somebody to optimize DSP, we're definitely happy to help. We don't have any spend minimums or anything else like that. And we can get started small, build out that bottom of the funnel and then work our way up to them. So overall, just want to say thanks again for listening. If you get a chance and you're listening on an iPhone, uh, if you could give our podcast a quick five-star review, that would be so awesome. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Ad Project Podcast.